Uh, first, I just want to. Oh, no, it's cool. I've got it here and there. Um, I just, if, if, um, my wife, my wife is actually the love of my life, um, and I say it often, and I'll do it everywhere I go. 20 years, uh, 29 years I've been with my wife. That's a long time for me, 29 years. Um, been married for 25 years this November the 5th. But my wife, Amanda, at the back, if you kindly stand up, she's my princess. It's, it's funny when you, when you first actually meet somebody that you get the fluffies. Who remembers the fluffies? And then a few years down the track, you're all over one day and say, oh, it's truth, it's you. <laughs> and we had the truth, it's you for a bit, for a long time. But I actually got the fluffies for my woman. I call her my woman. She's beautiful. She's special. She's my princess. But I actually got the fluffies for her. Every time I look at her, it makes my heart skip a thousand beats. Um, but today's not just about my wife. I've just got to be honest to my wife, and I've got to confess. It says in James 5, 16, it says, Confess therefore your sins, your slips, your faults, your flaws, one to another, that you might be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart, that the earnest heartfelt prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, dynamic, and it's working. I'm Andy, sweetie, I've got to confess to you that I love my dad, I love my father, I love my God more than I'll ever love you. And, and I'm sorry. But you actually come second place. And I'm sorry, sweetie. I, I love God um, um, more than my wife. I love God more than my children. I love God more than my life. Um, I actually think about him when I wake up. I think about him as I go about my day. I think about him as I put my head on the pillow. I can't get him out of my brain. He's my daddy. I love him so badly. Um, he's ruined my life. <laughs> he's literally ruined my life. I long for the day to actually let my spirit leave my body and return to him who gave it. I long for the day to put my hand I mean, in his and, and wrap my arms around him and just, just smell what he smells like, feel what he feels like. I want to actually grab his hand and, and feel his thumb and his finger and I just want to nestle into him and just say, Dad, Dad, I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day today, Dad. I love him. I love him. I adore him. My heart and every part of me just longs for his presence. It's a privilege and an honour um, to actually know God. And I think that it's one that we take for granted. He is the Father of all fathers. He's the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He's above all, beyond all, through all, in all. He's completely and totally uncomprehendable but yet he's comprehensible. His love is just so abounding. His grace is so full. He encompasses everything we need to live the life that God has called us to live. He is beautiful and majestic. And how can we praise? How can we honour? How can we actually magnify somebody? There's nothing we could do or say that would give him the glory or the honour that he deserves. We don't deserve God, but yet he loves us. I'm not a religious man. I'm a Christian fella. I actually didn't grow up with a dad. I had no one to tuck me in the bed at night time. I've never, never actually sat at a kitchen table and, and had a meal as a family until I hit 32 in my life. I actually grew up on the streets in children's homes. Um, I went to 16 different schools and all I wanted was my dad. I just wanted to be a normal person. I've never, never actually been on a family holiday until this year. I've never done nothing normal. And when I... When I did um, 
actually start becoming what you'd call semi-normal. I shared my testimony last time how I became a Christian and how God nuked me. I became a Christian in 2001 after selling two and a half kilos of methamphetamines a day and heaps of guns and drugs and had a, a full-on divine encounter with God. And I remember when God's love and his grace had just poured into my heart, I just couldn't unstop, uncontrollably stop crying. And, and I remember <coughs> we moved into a unit in coma. I got out of Casuarina Prison and I started Bible college. And, and it was just hard because I've come from a life where if I wanted your car, I took it. If I wanted to steal, I'd steal. If I wanted to lie, I'd lie. If I wanted to be unfaithful, I'd be unfaithful. And everything that is normal for normal people was not normal for me. I was the opposite. So if light is full of love and honesty, integrity, transparency and accountability, I was anger, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. <clears throat> I was the opposite to everything that was good. And then all of a sudden I have an encounter with this loving God and I felt his presence just literally overwhelm me. And for like three months he used to wake me up every morning and he said, come spend time with me. And every morning I'd start my day with God on my knees. But the amount of times that I actually used to start communicating with my wife and getting commit, convicted for the way that I actually communicated to my wife, I used to have to go back to say sorry to my wife about 150 times in a day. And, and, and to the end, I just got go, so sick of going up and saying, Amanda, Amanda, I'm sorry. Man, she's my princess. I should love her and speak life over her. I should treat her as a lady. But I used to just treat her like crap. But I've been treating her like crap and just and just taking her presence in my company for granted for most of my life and most of my, my marriage and, and our relationship, even with my children. My children, before I got nuked, and I call it got nuked, become a Christian, and my son Peter, he was six, and my other son Ryan was uh, two. And I'd never spent any time with my children at all in any way, shape or form. I, I spent all my time either in my shed, um, working on stuff, or out and about um, doing stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. And then I become a Christian, and then I'm trying to teach my six-year-old. I'm trying to teach my two-year-old. But at the same time, I'm trying to teach myself, how do I hang around with these kids? How, how do I actually, you mean? I tried to take a, a grasshopper socket once. And, and the deal was, they had all these geek dads, a bit like you, Mob. And he had all these geek dads, and he had to get in a circle. And he'd stand there, and he'd spread your legs like this. And if the kid kicks the ball through your dad's legs... The dad rolls around on the ground, kuchu kuchu ku, makes him more fluffy. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and them days I had a big beard and gold rings, and I was not a nice person. But I'm watching all these geeks down there, and the kid would kick the ball through the dad's legs, and the dad would roll around like a goose on the ground, kuchu kuchu ku, all fluffy. <laughs> and, and the kid would feel all f funny, you know what I mean? And then the next one, next one, next one. But when, that, when it came to my turn, and my, boy, I, and my boy, I said, if you kick it through my legs, I was thinking in my head, I'm out of here. And he kicked it through my legs. I turned my back on my son and I walked off. And I left him there and I started crying. I wanted so much to be a dad, but I've never had a dad to be a dad. No one told me that I had to lift the toilet seat um, when you do number ones. <laughs> no one told me you're supposed to actually lift it for a lady. You mean cleaning yourself up and put it down and, and, and in respect for a lady. Nobody taught me that stuff. Nobody told me manners at the table that you're not supposed to do certain things at the table. Remember, it told me a lot of stuff. So when I got new, all of a sudden, I, I started getting this mass conviction as I started getting the word of God and started spending time with God. God started working on me how I was as a husband and how I was as a father. And, and, and the more I got into God's word, the more I started getting convicted. 
Um, I had my first encounter when, when I was in uh, Riverbank in 1986. I remember I watched that video across the switchblade, and, and I was being institutionalised at that time from the age of nine up until 18. And, but I remember watching that video in prison, and when I seen that video in prison, I remember going back to my soul, and I said, God, if you can change his life, I know you can change mine. That was the first time I experienced God. But then I, he disappeared for 20 years, because I backslid for 20 years, and my second experience with God, I was determined, he gave me a scripture when I was 18, John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when I became a Christian again at the age of 31, 32, um, I looked in context and it says, if you abide in me and my word, to abide is to live in and to make it your home. Just like your body needs food, your spirit needs food. And so when I got nuked, and I did get nuked, um, when I got nuked and, and the second time God came alive in my heart, I knew that every day that I had to start my day with God and end my day with God. Um, and as men... We have a responsibility to seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And I've found that as I've started my day with God and ended my day with God, as I've beholded him, as I gazed upon his glory, as I spent time in his word, his word started convicting me. And slowly over time, my thinking started to change. My speech started to change. How I started to treat my wife started to change. How I started to speak to my children started to change. How I was as a dad actually started to change. The more I got into the word, the more I got convicted. And it's like... My heart, out of the heart flow the issues of life or out of the heart flow the consequence of life. I had to start coming alongside my wife and a and hundred times a day just apologise. I didn't realise the process that you were going through that we are transformed or changed from glory to glory. What I've worked out running Shalom in the last eight years, I feel like I'm in a science fiction movie. When I did get nukes, I spent five years working on my wife and myself and then ten years working on my children um, and try to model it, and then I had to sit my children da- down and, and ask them forgiveness for not actually being the dad like normal dads. I don't know how to kick a football, I don't know how to play sports. And I asked my kids for forgiveness and asked them, would they please speak into my life and help me to be the best dad that I could be. I also said to my children, when I asked their forgiveness, I said to my son Peter, I said, Pete, mate, I'll focus my, and when he took away the right for me to speak in his life about 15, 16, I said, Pete, I'll try my best to be the best dad that I can be over these last 12, 13 years since I've been a Christian. I'll probably fix 70%, but when you have a child, son, would you fix the other 30% that I can't fix? And my son's got one child and, and just pregnant again with a, a second child. And he says, yeah, I will, Dad. But the second we're born, we're all, start, we're all being programmed. And what I mean by program, the second you come out of your mother's womb, you're being programmed. You're being programmed by the way that your mum is your mum and your dad is your dad. You're being programmed by the way that we model parenthood or fatherhood or motherhood in the home. You're being programmed. Your kids watch on. I'm being programmed by the way that I speak to my wife and by the way my wife speaks to me. The way that we are in the community when we're sitting there in the soccer match, the kids are looking up at us. You're being programmed also by the way the schools you go to, the way the teacher teaches. Um, You're also being programmed here today. You have a choice of what you listen to and what you don't. You're also being programmed that all of us, as we live life, we face circumstances that we do and we don't create. And as we face those circumstances, we actually implement patterns of behaviour, ways to communicate, ways to express how we feel. And if it works for us, it becomes part of who we are. We are all being programmed. My program was no program in regards to dad, fatherhood. It was no no program as, as, as regards to husband, how to be a husband. 
But when I become a Christian and I ask God into my heart and I got into the Word of God every day, just like your body needs food, your spirit needs food, if you abide in me and my Word, you will know the truth, the truth that set you free. In the Word of God is the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace and the power for us to do everything that God has called us to do and everything that God has called us to be. As I got into the Word, God actually taught me how to be a husband to my wife. My wife is my princess. I've been unfaithful to my wife. I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of as a man. But the word of God gave me the grace and the wisdom and the strength to be able to go to my wife and, and clean our relationship up to the point where every time I look at her, my heart skips a thousand beats. My sons, I look at my sons and the man that they've become. My, my sons are just beautiful, godly men. My son this morning was up at 4.30 having a shower to get to church so he could lead worship. He wanted to get to church and practice doing the band. He does four services every weekend. My kids have changed their life, not because of me, but because of God. How do we communicate what we know to be true without pushing religion down people's throats? It's by how we live our life. I can't live the life that God has called me to. God is the father of all fathers, and he wants us as men to be the fathers of all fathers, the sons of all sons, and everything we need to live the life that God has called us to live is actually found in his word and by reading his word and by listening and obeying his word, he leads us, he guides us, he empowers us, he equips us. As men, we have a responsibility. As far as I'm concerned, I am the boss in my home. But I don't take the word boss in my home lightly. I am the authority figure in my home. I have an obligation, a mandate, a responsibility before my father, my God, to lead my home with honesty, integrity, transparency, accountability, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I have an obligation to actually live what I believe. And as I live what I believe, I communicate what I know to be true, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. People should see Jesus. Should, people should see our God in us by the way that we live our life. I'm not a religious man. I, I can't stand religion. But I'm a Christian man. I'm a Christian man. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. There's a passage in the Bible and it talks about having a clean conscience. It says, is your conscience clean? Just because your conscience is clean, it doesn't matter. It's the Lord himself who will judge on that day. As you get into the word of God, the wisdom of God is in the heart of a man and a woman and a person of understanding draws it out. That I am the great shepherd of the sheep. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. He takes us on a process where we are changed from glory to glory. And I thank my God for teaching me how to be the husband of, of, of our home. I'm the 51%. My wife is the 49%. I'm not the boss. I don't lord it over my wife. My wife has 49% of the wisdom that we need to make decisions as one to lead our home. And that extra 1%, if the house is going to burn down or a financial decision is going to be made, that somebody's got to make that call, I'm the one that makes that call. But I don't lord my authority over my wife. She is my best friend. When two people come together and they have the fluffies, it's the merging together of two hearts to become one. My wife is a geek, or was a geek. Uh, she got Wongan Hills, a farmer's daughter, uh, year seven, AAA student. Then she went to boarding school where she wore this green thingamajiggy <laughs> and, and a funny straw hat that had a moat in it. I think they use it when farmers have droughts. You catch the water at the top and you just tilt forward. But she was head girl in ducks at school. Ducks at school, from where I come from. But she was ducks at school. And I think the worst thing she ever did was sneak in the boys' dorm 
on a dare. Um, and then she married me, but her heart was white and clean and pure. Mine was dirty and black. I was full of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. I've done a lot of things behind my wife's back that I was ashamed of. I've done a lot of stuff that just, just, you fellows, it's just not okay. It's just not okay. A lot of you here sitting here, you've done things in your past that you haven't told anybody, you haven't even told your wife. But what you don't realise, what's in your operates through you, you've been programmed. And a lot of the voices that we get in our head aren't our head, aren't our voices, they're introduced voices because we have legal right access into the heart. When I become a Christian, God actually took me on a journey where I was transformed or changed from glory to glory. Out of the heart flow the issues of life, out of the heart flow the consequences of life. Out of the heart the mouth speaks. So a man, a woman, a child thinks in his heart, so is he or she. Me and my wife come together. I slowly polluted my wife. And she slowly became a bit like me. And then God chucked his light into our heart. He empowered us to actually start cleaning up our heart. When you get married, it's the merging together of two hearts to become one. And we went on a journey to clean our hearts up. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. They talk about no marriage in heaven. Have you read that in the Bible? He says, it's a great mystery. I reckon, I reckon, forgive me if I'm wrong, God. But I reckon, I reckon marriage happens on earth. I reckon these two people over here, Brad and Karen, uh, uh, Brad, Brad, Rachel, sorry. I was thinking Brad and Karen, Sarah. Uh, uh, um, I reckon they're, they're becoming one here. So when they croak it, and they go up there, the two become one. What do you reckon? Is that good? I'll be in it. But it says it's a great mystery that there's no marriage in heaven. Now, for me as a man, I love my wife, I honour my wife, and, and for the last 20 years, it's been the hardest 20 years of my life. As a man, I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of. And as men, we are called to lead by example. Honesty, integrity, transparency, accountability. Women are not chunks of meats. They're somebody's wife, they're somebody's daughter, they're somebody's mother. And it's just not okay the way that we treat men. Even as fathers, I took my children for granted for the first eight years, nine years of my life. I just seen them in a the distance and they were just kids that I seen in a distance. It wasn't until God started convicting me that I actually started, had to spend time with my kids and learn to be a dad. And I thank my dad for teaching me how to be a dad. Um, can you put that photo up, please? If, if you can get it. And that photo there was my holiday this year. Um, on, the, on the end there, there's, I've got five grandchildren. They're my grandchildren. My beautiful wife, my daughter, Toshalena. And these two boys, they're my sons. And that's my, uh, my grandson, Peter, on, on, next, on my left. That's my first family holiday that I've ever had in my life. Uh, and that was this year. As a child growing up, I've never had the privilege to running up the corridor and jump into bed with mum and dad for cuddle. I've never been on family holidays. I went to 16 different schools. I only made grade six, and I can't even read running writing. I spent my whole childhood from the age of uh, nine locked up in prison between the age of nine and 18. All my life, I just wanted to be a geek. I wanted to be a normal person. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a really good dad where my kids honour me and respect me, where I can put into their life and they send me like they did today, Happy Father's Day, Dad. And I got to send my son one. I got him first this morning. I sent, sent one him, Happy Father's Day, son. I want to be a, a good husband to my wife. I want to be a good role model to the community. 
I've got 140 children. How many have you got? In Shalom, that's what we do to teach our, 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 our men in the house. We teach them to be dads. And it's funny that the last eight, uh, 20 years, it's like I've been in this fire, but there's a message in the fire. And somebody's got to go in the fire to get, a, get the message. My whole last 40 years has been about developing a message. And the message is my life. Now I hated who I was for 20-something years, for 30-something years. Then God come into it and he used every negative, turned it to a positive. And it's only just now, as I'm exiting, slowly exiting from Shalom, that I can actually say that I like who I've become. The last eight years, having to learn to run a rehabilitation centre um, and actually teaching men to be men, discipling men. When they bring them in, we start from scratch. But it's amazing to come alongside God as he watches the broken and made whole. Shalom House is working at restoring the lives of men and families in our community. The greatest gift that you have is the privilege to wake up in the morning and start your day with God. The greatest, second greatest privilege you have is to wake up next to your wife. Your wife is your princess. She's the jewel in your heart. She's special, she's beautiful, and she matters to you. If your conscience isn't clean towards your wife, I want to challenge you. Clean your heart. Confess, therefore, your sins, your slips, your faults, one to another. Clean your conscience. Clean your conscience between you and your wife. Is your conscience right with your children? Clean your conscience with your children. Um, lead by example as men. How do we lead by example as men? In the words we speak, in the way that we treat those around us, in the rubbish we pick up off the side of the road, in the way that we respond when we're mistreated, in the way that we bring up our children and model fatherhood in the community. Are we do as we say or do as we do people? We should be do as I do. People should see my faith in me by the way that I live my life, that my actions would speak louder than my words. I'm not a lot of a religious man. If the church of God was like Hungry Jack, she'd be chockers, but she's not. Some like KFC, some like Chicken Treat, some like Nando's. On me, I like this church, I like your pastor. He's got a really good sense of humour. So I just want to um, challenge the men. Uh, I challenge the men. The, the, the greatest dad... The greatest God, the greatest source of all wisdom is found in Him. We have a responsibility to bring up our children the way that they go so they won't depart from it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God's got prepared for those who love Him. For those who have been called according to His purpose, for those He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. The day we asked Jesus Christ in life, the journey began. I want to challenge you. Do you read your Bible on a daily basis? Do you read your Bible on a daily basis? If you don't read your Bible on a daily basis, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than the double-edged sword that it penetrates the heart, the mind, the soul, the spirit. The Word of God is not just a book. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And as you behold Him, as you gaze upon His glory, you are being transformed into His image. The Word of God is not just a book. The Word of God is what empowers us to lead our home. The Word of God is what convicts us to cleanse our heart. The Word of God is the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace we need to live the life that God has called us to live. And without the Word, without the Word, we are nothing. Without Him, we are nothing. It's a love letter to, for, from God to us. It's power, it's strength, it's sorrow, authority, it's wisdom, it's knowledge. It's everything we need found in the Word of God. And the Word of God is what's transformed me. The Word of God is what's trans changed me. The Word of God is what's equipped me. The Word of God is... Beautifully, flawlessly good. Is your conscience clean? 
That's my heart's try. I do that every day. Is your conscience clean as men? You don't know me from a bar of soap, but I love you. I genuinely and sincerely love you. But I honestly believe it starts with us as men. I got 140 men in my house. And you know, out of the 140 men in my house, where their problems stem from? Us as parents. Words we spoke over them. Time that we didn't spend with them. We put our shed stuff first. We put our work stuff first. We put our own stuff first. The day that that child is conceived, you have an obligation before God Almighty to bring up that child, to empower that child, to equip that child in the way that that child should go so it won't depart from it. When you come together and get the fluffies, it's a merging together of two hearts. Marriage is a lifelong commitment for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, or death to us part. You don't just separate because the effect that it has on a child. You rejoice at the times of trials and tribulations because the testing of your marriage develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work. 140 men, and most of my men in my house, their problems stem from before the age of 15. If you've got children and they're under the age of 15 and they haven't yet taken away the right for you to speak in their life away from you, you have an obligation to empower them and equip them. It's not too late. Your focus should be on your children. Um, if you could please bow your heads, I'd appreciate that. Everybody please bow your heads. So Dad, I come before you in the precious name of Jesus, Dad. And I love you, Dad. Lord, you're beautiful and you're gorgeous and you're wonderful. And Dad, I long for the day where I could just curl up in your arms, put my arms around your waist. I wish I could just put your love and your goodness and your grace upon everybody here, Dad. I ask Holy Spirit that you'd sweep across this room. And I just want to pray over the fathers in this room, Dad. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you'd open their eyes to any area in their life, Lord God, that's not right. I pray that you'd open their eyes, Lord God, to look at their children, look at their wives in the way that you look at us. And Lord God, I pray that you would empower them, Lord God, to be the best dads they've ever been, the best husbands and the best sons. Help us as men, Lord, to rise up and treat women as women should be, with honour and respect, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to be the best us we could be in the way that we live our lives and the way that we model um, ourselves as faiths, as Christians within the community, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to be that bright and shining lamb. Lord God, that you want to stick up and promote so everyone can see. You don't want to put us under a table. Lord God, you want to put us up in a place where everyone can see us. See us in the way that we speak, in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we respond. Dad, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. You are beautiful and you're gorgeous and you're special. I just ask, Holy Spirit, just wash across this place. I pray for the restoration of families, Dad. I pray, Lord God, for hearts to be filled with the love of God, the grace of God, the joy of God, the goodness of God. I thank you, Lord, for the women, every woman in this room, that, Lord, that they are beautiful. They are princesses, Lord, just as they are. They're special. They're valued. Lord God, it's true. I speak the truth in this place, Dad. They are beautiful and special and loved just as they are, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, thank you, Dad, for your love and your goodness. Thank you, Dad, for your presence. Thank you, Dad, for your presence. And, Dad, I want to speak into the hearts of every woman here. Lord God, I want to say sorry. I want to say sorry to every woman, every lady, every young child 
every girl in this room that has been disrespected by man. As a man, I want to say I am sorry to you and I ask your forgiveness. I ask your forgiveness if we haven't treated you like we should. In Jesus' precious name, Dad, help us to be fathers. Help us, Lord God, to lead our homes as men should. In Jesus' precious name, amen.